Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. We are experienced moms to a combined total of 19 children. In our weekly episodes, we explore relatable topics using our perspectives of humor and chaos. Tune in for advice and encouragement to gain more joy in your parenting journey. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Outnumbered. We are thrilled today to have an amazing guest with us. She is a consummate professional and educator, and we are so excited to pick her brain specifically about autism and those neurodivergent kids who require a little bit of extra time and attention and might have us shaking our heads wondering how to parent even after we think we know how, right? So welcome to Andrea. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Audrey, have you introduce yourself, but um, we are really excited to have you and especially to have your expertise on something that we are not experts at, but we know so many of our listeners um, have those special kids that need a little bit of extra care and attention and are really excited to listen to your expertise about that. Thank you so much. I, I'm excited to be here too. Yeah, we, we can't wait to um, pick your brain about all things autism, but we want you to start off by telling us a little bit um, about your family and about your um, how you came in contact with autism. Okay, sure. Um, I have a son. He's now 24, and he was diagnosed at two, so I've been at this a long time. And at the time, I was a lawyer. I was a lawyer for 19 years, and when he was about four, I I put him into a school, and it was a great school. It just wasn't good for him. Uh, so I left. I, I took him out of school and decided to homeschool him, which I did for eight years. And after eight years, he was ready to go back into a school setting. And I knew that I had learned so much that I wanted to share with other parents that taking it back into law would be such a shame, such a loss. So I went back and earned my master's in education and started this this organization to help other parents. Okay, that is really, really awesome that you took what you had learned and um, shared it with other parents because that's that's basically what Bonnie and I are doing with this podcast is taking all our experience from having nine and ten children and just like sharing it with the world. Like, here's what we did. Don't do that. Do something different. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's. I was definitely thinking about trying to spare parents a lot of trial and error. Yeah. So tell us about um, your company, Autism Parent Solutions. So I, it's, it's a parent education and coaching company, and I run a program for parents uh, that's 12 weeks long. And parents come in, and there's educational materials, but we also meet twice a week. Um, and parents can ask any questions at all, and they learn from each other. They learn from me. They bond with other parents, which is a really nice experience because having an autistic child can be quite lonely. And, uh, you know, we see the transformation happen before our eyes, which is so beautiful. They go from feeling like they have no idea what to do to I got this. So that's... Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, um, we've talked about this just briefly on our podcast before because um, we have very little experience with um, autism and other diagnoses. I actually have one child who has some developmental delays. Um, and so I, I do understand a little bit of that. What have I done wrong? And where do I go from here? And I feel so alone and not fully understanding uh, the skills and abilities I do have to help my child and where to go for more help when I feel lacking, right? So I love that you're putting this out into the world. It does seem to us um, that autism and, and these other developmental disabilities seem to be more and more common. And so we want to ask you, 
What would you say to a parent who has a new diagnosis that seems overwhelming and terrifying and frightening? Where do they start? Well, actually, the answer I'm going to give is not directly about where they start looking. What I would say for starters is your child is still the same child they were yesterday, right? Sometimes parents forget that. It becomes, you know, they become, you know, mysterious creatures. It's the same Mm -hmm. child. So remember that. That's so important. Um, And then I would say inform yourself, but trust your instincts. So in in terms of how to inform yourself, there are tons of materials. um, But, you know, information is only a part of the situation, right? It's how to use that information that's so hard, um, you know, so hard to learn from books and other materials. But you have to start somewhere. I would start there. Um, but, But also don't forget to trust your gut because... You know, we sometimes want to rely on experts and others to tell us what to do, but we know our children best. Oh, so many great tips. I love that you said, remember that it's still your child, because I think a diagnosis is kind of this double-edged sword. Like on the one side, it's like, oh, I know what's going on now. I have some information. I have kind of some keys now, at least a place to start, like I'm saying. And on the other hand, it's like, oh my gosh, like, I, I have seen worst case scenario of this diagnosis. I have seen, you know, all of a sudden it feels very overwhelming. And so I, I love that reminder that it's still your child and you still know best. You really do. And that's a, a really empowering thought. Thank you. Oh, one thing that um, I have in my background is um, I when I was going for my elementary education degree, um, I also... Um, was minoring in special education and spent a lot of time in um, special ed classrooms. And one of the most heartbreaking things was to see a student that was there in before school care and all day and after school care and summer school and all all the time. And it was when you spoke to their parents or tried to, um, I, I did some home visits and things. And, and uh, sometimes you would see parents that had just kind of... Um, detached, like it was too much for them. They were overwhelmed and they turned their child over to the school system and they didn't really want anything else to do. And it was like so heartbreaking to see that. And so like, it's very touching to me to hear you say, it's still your child. You're still the expert because to not give up that um, autonomy authority. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it is such an important point. And, you know, when parents do that, they're really you know, believing they're doing the best for their child. I believe that. Um, But it's a reflection of how disempowered they feel. And so I think trying to empower parents from the outset is so important. Yeah, that is, that is really good. So talk to us about some of the emotions you experienced during this time as a mom, like grief, anger, some of the things that other parents might be experiencing and unexpectedly, like they didn't think they would be going through these kind of emotions? Sure. Um, I would say for me, the grief thing wasn't a big thing, although I know that is a common feeling, but it was way more fear for me. I was so afraid of what would happen, how it would all unfold. And then I think the the underlying fear was that I wouldn't be good enough. And, oh God, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. (laughs) And that that I wouldn't do it right. Uh, So the fear was really powerful. And then I would say frustration was another piece because I felt like I was working so hard and doing all the right things and trying so hard and I wasn't getting anywhere. And, you know, in the early days, it was very, very frustrating until I 
learned how to work myself through that. Yeah, I'm sure that's so helpful for other parents to hear that as well. Um, I I feel similarly. I I feel like there wasn't a lot of grief for me because I knew my daughter was always different from the very beginning. Um, but yes, there's still fear because she's she's still young and and at home with me. There's still fear about what her life is going to look like as an adult and and how she's going to um, be treated and how she's going to you know embrace life on her own. There's a lot of unknown there, and I think it's also so wonderful to remember that. We just have to deal with one day at a time. Like we can really get overwhelmed by thinking about, oh my gosh, is she ever going to leave home? Or is this ever going to happen? Or are they going to struggle with this? Like sufficient under the day. Like today we're going to, we're going to work on math. <laughs> That's the struggle today. I'm not going to worry about whether she can live on her own. That's way too much stress right now. Exactly. I mean, one of the things that I, one of the images I try to um, present for parents is, you know, it's like putting a, a um, destination that's really far away into your GPS. You don't have to know all the turns to get there. You just have to know the first few and then trust that as you start to make your way, the next few will make sense also. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Okay. So my next question is, what do you see? You deal with a lot of parents um, in this situation. So what do you see as the biggest challenge for these parents that are just stepping into this world of autism or other, other delays? I think the biggest challenge is finding the right support because uh, a lot of the support that is offered, I have found, is not geared toward parenting, right? It's given by therapists, and which is great. I'm not. I don't want to, um, you know, undermine the value of that. But it's not parenting, right? So sometimes I have parents who come to me, and their children are matching numbers or matching baby animals and adult animals, and I'm, you know, and then they can't take a bath and they can't eat eat a meal with the family. So there is a real um, shortage, in my view, of parenting advice. Um, I also see that parenting advice and emotional support are rarely, I would say almost never combined. And it's so important to combine those because learning the strategy, if you have something going on emotionally beneath it that's keeping you from executing that strategy, the strategy is never going to be enough. And getting emotional support, while that's important, and again, I don't want to knock that, But if you're not addressing the underlying problem, which is helping your child, the emotional support, you're going to need ongoing emotional support. So blending the two, I think, is so important, but it's not really uh, very prevalent out there. So Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that too. So so are you saying that your your company does both of those things, that you're able to give support in a parenting way and then also say, oh, by the way, we've got your back emotionally here. We understand what you're going through. Well, exactly. Because your emotions drive your actions, right? So if you tell a a parent, for example, like yelling is not effective, okay? They know that. But if there's a belief or an emotion that's driving that yelling, like frustration or anger, or a belief that their child is being disobedient on purpose, then it's going to be very hard to execute that. So what we do instead is we dig into what's driving it and help them shift the underlying belief so that they can see their child is just, is not meeting your expectations. Let's look at it that way. Your child is missing some skills in the moment that's disabling them from meeting your expectations. They're not doing it on purpose. And when you help them shift that belief, they can, um, you know, look at this challenging situations with more compassion, with an eye toward what support can I offer my child instead of what discipline. And that's, that's an example of how they're they're really married together, the emotion piece and the strategic piece. 
Okay, that's really, really good information. Because um, often parents spend so much time um, with special needs children, helping their children that there's not much left for them, not much time to, you know, like work on your own thoughts or your own self-care is something that we talk about on this podcast all the time. Because as moms of nine and 10 kids, we know how hard it is to make time for yourself and get that in. And we really advocate for that for for moms as well. Yeah. Well, it, I imagine it, it's pretty much the same for a special needs child. Absolutely. And there are so many uh, emotions brewing beneath the surface and we don't share them. Sometimes those emotions then compound, right? So you feel like your child is being obnoxious and then you feel guilt and shame for feeling that way. And then all of that, uh, you know, dictates the way you parent. So, it, you know, you really need to dig into both because it helps you be the best version of yourself for your children. Yeah, that's really beautiful. So thinking back to your early years, um, we're kind of focusing on that because we know that there's um, parents out here who are just receiving these diagnoses. So what was your biggest strength during those early years of helping your son? Was it like professionals or community or self-care? What, what resources were there that helped you the most, strengthened you the most? Um, well, in terms of resources, they were pretty widespread. Again, we're talking, you know, over 20 years ago, and there was so much less, and the internet wasn't such a thing. And, you know, so it, there was a lot of, um, you know, scraping for information, which is interesting because now what I find is the information is so overwhelming. It's the opposite end of that spectrum for parents. They need help curating some good information. But in terms of what was my biggest strength, I would say it was persistence. I was not going to give up. I was, I, you know, I would never give up. I would do whatever it took for as long as it took. And, you know, on days that were hard, I had to go back to that mantra. I'm going to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes. Because some days I really didn't want to. But, but then I reminded myself, oh, yeah, the, the me who I want to be will never give up. So that was a really strong, um, you know, strength. And then I also had two very good friends who were going through something similar, who I met at a, at a program we all attended. And they lived in different states and different time zones, but we talked all the time. And, you know, it is so isolating, but what I found is I didn't need a huge group of friends going through it, just one or two with whom you could share, you know, your truth, um, share good days, bad days, um, questions, all of those things. That was really helpful. Okay. I love that. I love what you're saying about just one or two close friends. You know, sometimes we like to think that in order to have the self-care we need, we need, you know, all the support and all these groups when really, especially when it comes to a child who's going to be different than any other child out there, you just need one or two fellow parents that can understand what you're, something like what you're going through and everyone's kid is going to be different, but, but I love that finding someone that can connect with you. Yeah. And I've found personally too, when I share some of the struggles that my daughter has with people who, who can't relate, it feels like there's some judgment there. Even though I know they're not trying to be that way, it's just very difficult to understand a child that acts in a certain way. You know, everybody's got their own theories of, well, if you just did this, right. they wouldn't do that. You know, if you just it's act funny, like this. It's, it's so funny you're saying that. I once said to my husband, if you ever find yourself about to say just, just don't. <laughs> Yeah, it, like that was right on its face. So insulting. You should just. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Trust me, I've tried it. <laughs> yeah, I love that tip. Just to acknowledge that you are the expert and you just need one or two friends that understand a little bit. And if it is stressful to st- share with other people, then maybe don't. And I've learned that myself as well. It's my husband and I that understand her the best mm-hmm. and that have the most compassion and mercy for what she's going through. Absolutely. You know? so, Absolutely. And, you know, part of the pro- this process that I help parents with is really building confidence because the more confidence you build from the inside out, the less those judgments matter to you because you just know, you're so confident that you know what's going on. It doesn't mean you're right every time. It doesn't mean things don't go wrong or go sideways. They, of course they do. But, you know, you know you've got this. You know that, you know, it. that's their shortcoming, not yours. Yeah. Audrey and I talk about this a lot as, you know, uh, it's it, we feel like it's something you gain as a more experienced mom as the years go on. You know, in those early years, you really want outside validation. You really want to know you're doing things right. But in the end, there is no right and wrong way. It's just the best for your family. And right. yeah, I, I love that. Getting to that confidence sooner rather than later mm-hmm. is going to serve you. Right. Love it. Okay, so let's shift gears here for a second and talk about homeschooling your son. You mentioned that he was going to a really great school, but it just wasn't a great fit. Um, we are homeschoolers. We love it. It's been a great choice for both of our families. But tell us how you knew that was the right choice for him and how you had the courage to do that. Sure. Well, you know, autistic kids are often very, very sensitive. And he was extremely sensitive. And being in a room with several other autistic kids who, you know, were loud and dysregulated, uh, you know, understandably, but it was nevertheless difficult for him, I really felt like he was really going inside himself even more. He was closing himself off to protect himself from that sensory assault. So it was that. Plus, I really felt that the curriculum wasn't designed to help him with his core challenges, that, you know, he was having trouble interacting with people, right, relating. And while, you know, it was great for him to learn the names of animals, um, I wanted him to be able to relate to people, and we needed to make it more fun in order to do that. We needed to have fewer rules, right? If he had to sit in a chair all day and all he learned all day was sitting in a chair, that wasn't so much fun and he wasn't relating so well to the person making him sit in a chair. So those two things were enough for me to say, this is not working for him and I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm a lawyer. I don't, <laughs> I had zero idea. But I, I somehow had the confidence to believe that I could do it better. Yeah, we can definitely relate to those feelings. Like, what are we doing? We don't know. (laughs) This feels right. Let's go. (laughs) Well, I just really felt that schools were always going to focus on academic skills, and I understand that. But what was he going to do with those academic skills if he couldn't relate to another person? So I really wanted to work on the foundation first. Yeah. I just want to put a side note in here and say that we have a really good episode on sensory processing disorder because that's something that um, a lot of parents, um, autism is commonly also has um, sensory processing disorder or sensory issues. So that's um, an amazing episode that we did as well, if if parents are looking for another resource on that. But, um, you know, what's interesting is that what you're sharing about um, homeschooling an autistic child, it's some of the same fears that parents who don't have autistic children fear, feel like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to try it anyway. And um, that's that's a really beautiful thing, just to hear somebody else say, I didn't know what I was doing, and I took the leap anyway. But one thing that would be different, or maybe an extra incentive to keep 
special needs kids in school would be all the programs that are available to special needs kids that you might um, feel like they were um, missing out on. So what would you say to parents who feel homeschooling would help their child? Like, like listen to your gut, like you said before, listen to your heart, but they're terrified to take that, to take that leap. Well, you, you hit it on the head. I really do think trusting your gut is the first thing, right? But I think you know yourself and you know your child. So I think, you know, if you're someone who believes you would be impatient or hate the experience, then I think, you know, do a real self-check and don't do that because it probably isn't a good fit. But if you're thinking about it, you're probably someone who thinks, I could probably be good at this, right? So it doesn't have to be permanent. That's the thing you also can can think about in that moment, right? If you try it, you can work through the process. And then if you later find a better option, you can do that, right? It's not a lifelong commitment. So that's important to know because, you know, you can go back. And, you know, school districts are obligated to provide those services to you, even if you're a homeschooler. So there are ways that you can homeschool your child and still get those services in your home or uh, in a center. So those are other things to consider. Yeah, that's such a great reminder that there are, it really is a wonderful time to be the parent of one of these special kids because we have so many resources. But like you say, it can be overwhelming as well. If you don't know where to look or you just, you know, don't specific, aren't really clear on what your child needs yet, it can just feel like you're drowning under right. resources. Right. So. so you might consider starting in a school. I mean, what I did, we started in a school that didn't feel good. We pulled him out and homeschooled with a lot of supports. Um, mm-hmm. But then after eight years, I felt that I couldn't provide for him at home what he needed most at that time, which was a social environment. And, you know, for an autistic child, and, you know, he's pretty high needs, so I couldn't just put him into, you know, activities for neurotypical kids. I needed to find an environment where the people were specially trained to help him integrate, um, where the other kids would be accepting of him because they all had their own things going on. So, you know, when he was in eighth grade, that became the right time for us to stop that, that process. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You don't have to commit to it forever. You can reevaluate anytime things feel like they're not working as well anymore. Exactly. Great. It's really nice for you to share how like you and the the resources that were available for you through the school system kind of worked hand in hand together. I remember one um, visit back when I was um, going for my special ed degree uh, was that um, it was just heartbreaking. This mom shared, I would love to have my kid at home and work with them at home. And, um, but I'm afraid that I would get in trouble with the school system or with the government or whatever, if I took my kid out. So like, even like there would be so many parents feeling so many different things here. And it's just really neat to hear you explain um, that even that many years ago, you figured out a way to make it work. And I think that should be super encouraging for parents to hear that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Andrea, I would love to learn a little bit more about your company, Autism Parent Solutions. So take us back to those early days um, when you decided to start it. Audrey and I are are huge fans of um, being entrepreneurs as moms as well, especially when you see a big need and learning how to to fix that need or, or put resources out into the world where, where it's necessary. So how did you get the idea to start it? Where did that come from? And how did you get the courage to do so? Well, uh, I was fired from my day job, meaning my son went back to school. <clears throat> so I had time to think about what was next. Um, 
And what I realized having, you know, worked with him for the eight years and I, I really approached it. I mean, I had been like a wall street lawyer. I approached this thing like a big job and I studied everything I could study and I got myself trained in, I, I had people accept me into training programs where I didn't belong. I didn't have the background, but I got in anyway. And what I realized was as different as all the therapies were and as many different pieces of advice people were giving, there were some common elements that, um, that were just helpful for parents to know. And they basically boil down to good parenting advice. A lot of it isn't even specifically about autism. So I created the organization because I developed the tools and confidence through those years of trial and error and error and error. Um, and I knew that I could help parents gain the tools and confidence faster and spare them some of that struggle. I love it. Can you tell us about the structure of your company? So if, if a parent needs help, they would come to your your organization and then what? They would have like coaching or, or uh, classes or what does it look like? Yeah. Um, at the moment, I, I offer only this one program because I feel it is so effective. And, you know, I really don't want to offer anything less because I don't feel that giving parents tips here and there or a coaching session here and there will totally get the job done. And so when I see parents' lives transform before my eyes, that's what I want every time. So it's a 12-week program. And like I said, you know, we combine both parenting, you know, tools and strategies and the emotional piece that drives your underlying actions in parenting. And it's a, you know, a constant uh, flow between those two things. Um, there are educational pieces but the, the small group coaching, and then I also do some individual coaching for people as well. So the small group, people love the small group because you do, you bond with the other parents, you learn from other parents. Um, it's amazing how common some of the experiences are, even with children who are five and children who are 15, the experiences are very similar. So that's the structure, that's what I offer. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to ask you if there was a community aspect of it as well. So the small group coaching, it sounds like maybe they can stay in contact beyond just the coaching sessions. Absolutely. They do. Like, you know, I can see them following each other on Facebook and I know that they're coordinating because sometimes somebody will show up at the group and say, oh, this other person is going to be late today. So I know that they've connected. Right. I also, I do um, a monthly program for my graduates so that they come back every single month because I know how easy it is to get off track and I want to keep them, you know, in the space of remembering to look not only at what you're doing, but how you're feeling about it and how those two things relate. Uh, so I'm sort of encouraging them and, and teaching them a little bit how to coach themselves through those things. That all sounds like such good resources. And can you tell our listeners where they can, how they can get access to your company, where they can find you online and, and get more help for their own children? Or even those, you know, if, if there's families without special needs children out there, how they can recommend um, something that you offer for someone they know? Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, if you're listening and you are ready to explore if coaching is for you, if a 12-week coaching program sounds good, you can go directly to book a call with me, and that would be at autismparentsolutions.com forward slash apply. And you'll get hooked into my calendar, and you can set up a call, and we can take a look at, you know, whether it's a good fit to work together, 
and what that would look like. If you're just looking for more resources or if you want to think about it longer and, and investigate it more, the, the website is autismparentsolutions.com. And on that website, there's a free training as well that you can access. It's about 40 minutes. And it really gives you a lot of, um, you know, the underlying philosophy and some tools to get started with. Um, I do believe the ongoing coaching is the thing that really makes the difference. Um, but, you know, the, the webinar that's there, it's really about good parenting. So even if you don't have a neurodivergent child, um, you take a look at that training. You might enjoy it yourself. And, you know, I'd be so grateful if you do recommend it. That would be lovely. Um, and one thing I do want to mention is, you know, a lot of times parents come to the program because they have an autistic child. And it turns out that what they learn helps their, you know, they have an autistic six-year-old, but it helps their 15-year-old child who has ADHD that much more. Or it helps their 12-year-old neurotypical child, you know, because it's the foundation of it is is really you know, effective parenting. Yeah, that was going to be my other question for you is, so for parents who have kids that are neuro neurodivergent in one way or another, but not technically autism, is this something that could help them as well? And it sounds like yes. Absolutely. Some of the children, some of the parents who come to me, their children aren't yet diagnosed. Um, sometimes this is at an older age, like they've suspected for a long time something is going on and they're in the mm -hmm. process of trying to find out, but they're struggling with parenting. And it helps transform their experience and, um, you know, whether or not the child ultimately gets the diagnosis, it's, it's the underlying issues they're struggling with. And it helps those issues. It helps, helps you know what to do with power struggles. It helps you, you know, some of that is about learning to set the boundaries in the right place, right? To, like we talked about before, if, if your expectations are too high, you're not setting your child up for success. So what does that mean? How do we do that? How do we figure out where our child is? And then how do we grow step by step? So we go into all of those things, which is really beneficial for all children, but and in particular neurodivergent children. Oh, awesome. Andrea, this sounds like such great information. I personally can't wait to go check out your um, business more and take a look at that free training because parenting itself is such a um, big job most of the time and even bigger and can feel very overwhelming when your child is is not showing up in a way that you expected, right? Or not like the other children that you've had or seen. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your wisdom. And I can tell that you're just a very calm, uh, wonderful educator. And I'm excited to learn from you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We will go ahead and link uh, Andrea's website and her um, application for her program in the show notes. Take a look at that if you want to learn more. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening, friends. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our email and never miss another episode. Show us some love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week.